Forrest Holen. This is Bo Bluen. In the yo, house. yo, yo. And we're the Parent Teen Mindset Show. We're bringing a new conscious conversation to parents so they can support their teens who uh, then can go out into the community and live a successful life, whatever that looks like to them. And so we're super excited to be here with you today. We um, are going to have a discussion. It's going to be a deep discussion. We try to make all our conversations deeper discussions past the, sur past the surface, right? We want to stir up your soul a little bit and yep. get you to think outside the box and, and maybe try something new um, to maybe take action in your life, something that's going to be practical, pragmatic for you and your teenager. Um, and, and I hope it improves your life, really. Um, like a lot of this yeah. stuff has improved mine. So uh, how you doing today, Bo? I'm good. I'm good. I mean, like I always like to say, I like this East Coast, West Coast connection. So it's fantastic to all of our listeners out there. We always like to open up and say, hey, if any of this touches your heart, you know, if, if any of this really makes you think, please don't push it away. You know, again, sometimes we have some different methods and different ideas on how to parent, which maybe you may not have heard of, which is why I'm really excited to get into this book, you know, because as I dug into some of these lessons, you know, I saw a lot of things immediately that jumped out for me, man, that I could be doing differently, you know, to become a conscious parent, right? To be more conscious of some of the ego roles that we play when we're trying to uh, raise these young ones that are so special. And this is really, honestly, you know, our kids are the most powerful relationship I think we'll ever have, you know, and this book outlines that. So I can't wait to get into it, man. It's going to be dope. Yeah. So we're reviewing the book, The Conscious Parent. All right. So this might be the first time you've heard of it. Maybe you've already read it, um, but we're going to examine this book a little bit more closely. Obviously, it would take us like 10 podcasts to really go through this book. So we're going to extract a few things out of out of here, uh, open it up for discussion, take your questions and um, and just kind of uh, kick these ideas back and forth because these are like mind percolating ideas. And um, I, I have a personal story, but first I want to introduce the author, of course, Shafali Sabari, PhD, right? Which um, I'm going to manifest this. We're going to have her on a future podcast episode. Uh, she's amazing, right? So I'm sure she'll be on a future podcast episode. But right now we just want to grasp these concepts and ideas that are in this book, which from my understanding, the biggest thing to understand about it is that our children are our best spiritual guides and teachers. And, Absolutely. Yeah. And it kind of takes us out of the role of being the, authoritar the authoritarian parent, uh, the, the benevolent dictator, kind of coming down with that top-down approach, that parent-teen hierarchy. And it brings us into a relationship with our teen, an open, honest, present moment relationship where we're not, you know, um, where when we do, I would say, get triggered by our past emotions and our past hurts and traumas from our own upbringing with our own parents and our own guilt trips and our own resentments and all those things that we have, we can now, when we, when we feel that triggered um, sensation that our teens are so good at pushing our buttons, right? They know how to just push our buttons. When, when, we, when they do that, we can then reflect back and use it as an opportunity for self-growth. Like, what do you think about that, Bo? That's pretty powerful, right? No, it is, you know, and in the book really outlines, you know, one of the lessons that, you know, I picked up on is that, you know, they're here to teach us to know ourselves. So think about this. So if our buttons are being pushed that easily, it's because they learned what our buttons are through us acting out those ego roles, right? Mm -hmm. So if it's something when it comes to communication and we get super triggered and we do that, you know, that's going to happen on the same end. It's going to come out the same way with them. It's just going to look a little bit differently. And that's always a big thing, you know, that we talk about is like, hey, 
how do you identify your different ego roles that you play, right? Are you the are the are you the author, authoritarian figure? You know, when you get upset and angry, you know, are you the very anxious figure whenever your child does something wrong? You know, what kind of ego roles do you play when everything doesn't go right within your household? Because that's going to eventually come out in our children. You know, even even my four year old at four years old, after reading and, and scanning through some of these lessons in the book, I'm like, oh man, I can. I can definitely do a much better job, you know, on certain things uh, throughout this. And I can't wait to dig into it, man. This is great. Exactly. You know, parents check this. This flips the script. I mean, now, now all of a sudden we were pointing fingers at our, at our teen, right? Our teens going through anxiety, our teens going through depression, our teens addicted to social media and all these things. Our teen is hiding away in their bedroom now it kind of flips it around now the mirror is suddenly on us the parents and we're going to be a little bit uncomfortable here uh, because now we have to reflect and look into our own life and oh my god we might have to develop our own self that's crazy right that's crazy so um laura hanley thank you for being on laura hanley's here if you have any questions or comments Lori, throw them in there we're trying to get used to some new technology as well so we'd love to to have a little chat with you but thanks for being on it's great to have you um so yeah i just have a quick um you know scenario i'd like to run by the audience too that i just personally went through that kind of relates back to the book the conscious parent so the other day i was uh, gonna take my daughter to solana beach it was about 45 minutes away and um she got ready and we were gonna drive there and, it, and it's usually like a, a a space where we can be driving in the car and just kind of connect with each other and talk with each other because you know how life is we just kind of pass each other by in the house and people get busy but when we're in the car you know things tend to open up and we have those little conversations those small meaningful conversations that really end up you know opening things up in in our relationship so we're about to leave the house and i'm kind of in a rush and we're getting things going and she's had some contention with um her mom and uh, she starts to leave the house and she doesn't say goodbye to mom and she doesn't say goodbye to brother. She's just walking out and I say goodbye and I, and I snap at her and I'm like, you know, go say goodbye. Go say goodbye to mom. Go say goodbye to brother. Like, like, how dare you, right? You, you know this. You should know better. And uh, I snapped. And I barked. You know, I, I pulled out, you know, my, my, my uh, dad's lion mane and I barked at her and and then I go into the car and now there's this tension, right? There's this tension that didn't need to be there. And she grabs her headphones, she plugs them in. We start driving and um, you know, she's just now in her world and I'm in mine and I'm kind of resenting my own actions and wanting to apologize, but being too damn stubborn as a father to, to apologize. And so we do the whole 45 minute drive without even talking to each other. You know, what a waste of time, what a waste of opportunity, you know, especially my daughter's 17 and a half, I don't know what, where she's going to be when she's 18. She might move out and go with her bio mom up in the Bay Area. And then what? I've, I've, I've you know, used these little moments and squandered them? For what? Right? So on the way back, I chose to listen to a tape a video of uh, Shafali uh, Sabari, who is the author of this book. And she really awakened me to the fact that this is a moment for me to look within myself. So I yeah. stopped trying to control it, you know, Bo, I stopped, I stopped trying to like control the situation and I accepted it. I accepted it. Hey, Eric. Hey, Christina, how are you guys doing? Hey I, guys. Thanks for checking in. 
Yeah, I accepted that that situation. And so on the drive home, I took the Pacific Coast Highway, you know, the sun's setting, it's looking beautiful. But, um, you know, my daughter still got her earphones in. I'm like, oh man, you know, and I, I didn't want to tap her on the shoulder and say like, take the earphones out, I want to talk, right? But then I realized something, Bo. I realized yeah. she only had one earphone in. The other one on, on the side facing me was out, which, yeah. which told me in a nonverbal way, she does want to make an effort to connect, right? Yeah. So we're driving, we're seeing this uh, beautiful sunset on the left-hand side, and I go, wow, that's nice, huh? And she goes, yeah, that's beautiful. You know, and we just have this moment of connecting. And it wasn't, you know, from the outside looking in, maybe it wasn't a lot of dialogue, but it was a connection, and it was sincere. And it felt like there was no, I wasn't trying to control anything. She wasn't trying to control anything. I learned a lot from just yeah. that experience you know so yeah that's powerful man that's like that's my little story so yeah no that's powerful like in hearing that story thank you it's like you went through the different you know like what kind of what you talk about in your your team program you went through the different cycles of becoming conscious all in one drive right so you get triggered and you get into what you call like a bound nature state where you get into an ego role right mm -hmm. and you play that out that in return that gets transferred over to your child so your child is kind of in that state with you right? Then you become aware of it. You snap yourself out of it. You become conscious through things like we call connection ports. So when we get into our ego roles and we get into that with our children, you know, there's ways to snap us out of it, like a sunset, like music, like the wind blowing in our face, like different things can get us out of those roles. And the next thing you look over and your child's kind of doing the same thing. It's kind of wanting you to get out of it. Next thing you know, you're back to consciousness and you're right there with them in a more balanced state, right? And that's, that's the key, man, you know, is, is to understand when that happens and know that nothing is perfect and the world is not perfect and neither are we. And the cool thing about it is, is those moments like you're talking about are there to show us like, hey, we need to snap ourselves out of this, get conscious to the moment, right? Not what triggered us and then get back to a state where we can communicate openly and be receptive for our children. And again, that's easier said than done. You know, that takes effort. It takes awareness. But more importantly, it takes acceptance. We have to accept that we have these ego roles. We have to accept that maybe what we're doing right now and how our child is acting, right, isn't, you know, what, how they're acting might be a reflection of how we're behaving to ourselves, you know? And I think that's wonderful, man. I think that, I think you just broke down like the evolution of like what all of us go through in parenting and that one story. So thanks, man. That was, that was good. Yeah, and thank you for breaking it down. And you know, and, and as a mindset coach, being able to see all the elements, right? Yes, yes. Um, just to whoever, to you listening right now, you know, um, a mindset coach uh, is far from perfect. Um, you know, but we, we've been studying mindset awareness um, and these different tools and techniques and strategies. It does give us an edge. It doesn't always prevent us from going through our own emotions and our own triggers, but. What happens is it becomes a journey of self-discovery and of self-growth, and the meaning it takes on is a whole different shift. And the other thing is, I remember getting upset with things in the past before I used to study this stuff, and staying stuck there, you know, and making it worse, and just going on and on and on. Whether it was a, a fight with a significant other, you know, or you know, a fight with my kids, or a fight with myself, I remember just staying in that bound nature state for such a long time. But if you can break out of it by being aware, like um, what I was saying, awareness and acceptance, right when you're aware of it, then you can accept that you're in the story. We teach the teens this, and we need to learn this as parents. It's a powerful tool.
Right. And, you know, and here's a good practical lesson from that story, too. Right. So, you know, one thing that we talk and this is specifically for the parents out there. Take some time tonight and break out a journal mm. and think about what are the different scenarios where you get triggered and where you may uh, do pretty much what Forrest was explaining, where let's say your child isn't being very respectful and they're just bouncing out the door and you're like, wait a minute, I, I taught you better than that. And then that triggers you. Right. Think about that. That's in, when you get triggered. That's that's just a bound nature role or an ego role of you of us being being in that position where we're very authoritative and and we're less understanding and we might get triggered and lash out or we might get triggered and not respond the way that we want so write down those different roles that you play and then name them and disassociate yourself from them right because whenever we all have to go through a deconstruction period when we're talking about you know looking at our ego and breaking down our ego so we can respond in a, in a more healthy behavior pattern so and again that's something that we talk about like name that ego role and start being aware of it that way when you go into that and that happens at the top of your mind, the next time it happens, you can be like, wait a minute, I know what this is. Let me take a deep breath and reset so we don't get into this unhealthy pattern with each other where we're driving, you know, all the way up, you know, to go drop them off. And you might not see your child in a couple of days, or maybe they're going to practice, or maybe they're going to school to make sure that, you know, they remain in a very balanced state. So really write out the different ego roles that you play and figure out how you can be aware of those so you can change your behavior patterns next time you experience that with your child. Exactly. Write them out and don't judge yourself for it. You know, right? be open to the journey of it. I mean, it's not something to judge yourself or beat yourself up over. This is amazing stuff. Let me just read a little part of this uh, first part of this book it says, when I point out to parents the ways in which they need to undergo transformation, I frequently meet with resistance. Why us? They retort, puzzled that I would suggest they need to change. When I explain that the only way their children will alter their behavior is if they as parents become more conscious they tend to be disappointed. Unable to accept that the focus needs to be on changing their own mindset rather than their children, I find that many parents are afraid of opening themselves to the unknown in the way that shifting from unconscious to consciousness requires. Yeah, because that gets, man, it makes you uncomfortable, right? When you, when you start looking at it like that, and you know, when you start taking like real accountability, at first, it seems a little uncomfortable. I know it is for me every time I go back through and I readjust and I realize that I'm not fully practicing the mindset system that we've gone through. There's a little bit of like, you know, getting a little uncomfortable with that. Mm, yeah, you know yeah. I mean? that's part of the acceptance part. You know what I mean? Yep. And, uh, that, that's really great. I love this, um, this thing here. She says, while the precise details of the transformation we must each undergo are unique to us as individuals, the nature of this transformation is universal in many ways. Hence, a conscious approach to parenting, parenting urges parents to address issues that are the hallmarks of consciousness, such as, and I'll say a few of them, I am allowing myself to be led toward greater spiritual awakening through my relationship with my children. Or that's a question, actually. Am I allowing myself, right? Are you allowing yourself to be awakened through, in a spiritual way, through the relationship with your child, with your teen, with your young adult? Um, how can I parent, here's another great question. How can I parent my children with an awareness of what they truly need from me and thus become the parent they deserve to have? Now, that's powerful. I think one of those can be turned into like an affirmation to the first one that you had. It could be, you could be switched into an affirmation, right? Like, yeah, the first one could like turn that into affirmation for everyone real quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I allow then you switch it. 
I allow right. myself to be led toward greater spiritual awakening through my relationships with my children. That's a yes. cool affirmation, right? Yo, for some reason I felt that. I was like, oh, wait a minute. That's a question, but let's turn that into an affirmation. Ooh. So uh, yeah, do that one more time for me. I'm gonna put it in the chat. I'm gonna put that yeah, in the chat yeah, for everybody. Yeah, let's do this. Use this, I'm gonna say use this, use this affirmation. Everyone. Yeah, yeah, write this down, parents. This could be your affirmation that you start to take on, you know, to enhance your parenting and also your self-growth. Right here. Is yeah, what do you, what do you got? I, ready? I allow myself yep. to be led toward greater spiritual awakening through my relationship with my children. I allow right. myself to be led to a greater spiritual awakening through my relationship with my children. That's powerful. Nice. Yeah, that's real powerful. So I put that in the chat for everybody. And you know, I'm real, I'm real big on that. You know, and that's one thing we haven't really dove into yet. And I'm so happy that we're getting to this point in the show is spirituality. Mm -hmm. And people think, right? And people think that spirituality is like this mumbo jumbo stuff. No, 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 no. Spirituality is getting to know ourselves mm -hmm. in relation not only to ourselves and how we deal with ourselves. But how we interact with it with the outside world and the people in our orbit that we care about the most hey parents you're gonna have people in your orbit that are never gonna go away and one of them is gonna to be your children so <laughs> we, and you got to think about how, how they get in our orbit right so which way do we want to go with it right so uh when we think about that right and we have a better understanding of ourselves you know it's really powerful to have these affirmations and one of them too for us that's worked wonders for me over the last year is behold i make all things brand new and that's such a very powerful one. I saw this on a show and uh, I use it and you're going to be very surprised on how you start stripping away some of these ego roles that we're talking about that we play with our children, you know, and as a father, I catch myself with my son playing these ego roles, you know, with him on certain areas, whenever he acts up or like, you know, like, hey, you're a boy, boys don't do that, you know, and different things like that. And I, and I catch myself and I'm like, wait a minute, like that's, and I didn't even have a dad growing up really. So it's like, where, where these are just ego roles that I wasn't ever, never, I wasn't necessarily taught. I'm just acting out. So that's a pretty good affirmation from the book, man. I thought that was cool. Yeah. Just yeah. Now, getting into the, the spiritual aspect of who we are as people, how we, how we are connected and how we show up with ourselves and the universe and the world around us. Whether you're a spiritual person or not, you're on some type of a journey. Whether you're an atheist or you're into some uh, any any kind of religion, or if you just consider yourself a spiritual person, you're on a journey to something, to to self growth, self betterment, more connection, um, and to an understanding. Or you're just you know dancing the dance. Maybe you know you're asking yourself, what's the point of life? Why am I yeah. here? Um, who created this world? You know, and these are all great questions to begin to look at or if you haven't thought about them in a while to look at again in relationship to yourself as a parent and um it's it, it goes pretty deep down the rabbit hole right yep so here's another really good lesson from the book right and let's let's dive into this one because it kind of goes into what we're talking about so your children do not need to seek your approval or validation they deserve it as their birthright from simply being born right yeah. so and when we talk about this from a mindset perspective and what you know forrest really goes into is are you object referral or self-referral? Meaning, um, are we putting our self-worth and our validation into our children? You know what I mean? Do we, you know what I mean? Are we seeking, the, do they need our approval? You know what I mean? Or do our children need to seek our approval all the time and validation? If that, if we're getting into that point, that means that we are object referral and not self-referral. 
You know, if mm-hmm. if we're really living our lives to our children, if we're pushing things on them so we can get their, you know, so there's approval process there, then we need to take a step back and figure out what's really going on. And I think that's pretty important, man, especially in the mindset process of of dealing with ourselves and teens. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've gone through that with my own kids, you know, uh, having a martial arts background, getting them enrolled in different martial arts classes, just thinking you're going to be the next martial arts master. I, I had my son in Capoeira, Taekwondo. Yep. Brazilian jiu-jitsu, you know what I'm saying? And just, I saw him as this, uh, you know, martial arts master on his way to doing whatever he else, whatever he else wanted to do in his life. But, you know, things don't play out the way that we fantasize as parents, right? We have these grand fantasies and when they don't live up to our fantasies and we can't live vicariously through them, then somehow we then project on to them some type of dis- disapproval or yep. when they are, you know, when he is in martial arts, I'm approving. So whether it's approval or disapproval, so what we got to do is break out of the approval and disapproval mentalities right. and accept them for who they are, as they are, full and complete human beings with no need to show up as anything else but that, right? Yep, absolutely. And like, you know, so Gavin, you know, my child, he just turned four, and um, he's already like, so we're putting him in soccer. You know what I mean? So he's doing that. And, uh, and I'm asking, like, do you like he doesn't even know what that is. Right. So we're putting in it, which is good at that age. But, you know, as he gets older, it's going to be, you know, I'm going to have to really hold myself back from him not, you know, picking up a baseball, you know, or, or doing that. Because literally we'll go to the park now, man. He hits he hits the baseball at four years old. I like video it and I like, send my friends. I'm like so proud of him. But at the end of the day, if he doesn't like it, I need to be like he doesn't like it. I don't need to push it on him. So, yeah, yeah, and, and and at the same time, we should be able to enjoy those moments as parents and enjoy yeah, our kids and enjoy it, but without the attachment. See, it's yeah. the attachment. There you go. That's a good point. The attachment and the control to the outcome is what we we tend to miss the mark with, right? Mm-hmm. In the present moment and be fully fully accepting. And if they do want to quit, and we want to coach them through it because they have a tendency to want to quit something, that's okay too. Right, yeah. that's okay too. But um, yeah. you know, right here in the book, right, it says when our children choose a religion other than ours, a different profession than we dreamed of for them, are homosexual in orientation, or marry someone out of their race, how we respond is a barometer of how conscious we are. Are we able to respond to them with the realization that they have the right to manifest their inner being in their unique way? Yeah, that's powerful. That's probably especially when you come up, depending on the background that you come up in, you know, and the culture that you grew up in. Some of these things are so ingrained within us, you know, that when our when our children step outside of that, luckily, you know, I I tend to believe that, you know, even though despite everything that's been going on, we're slowly living in a more inclusive world. You know, I I always like to see the bright side of that Um, and, you know, and try not to push things on on my child. Obviously, he's pretty young, but, you know, we we saw that a lot with a lot of the children that we worked with over the years in the foster care system. You know, we saw we saw exactly what you're talking about there and really trying to work on their mindset from that standpoint. So I think that's just like a great, that's a great point, man. Yeah, man. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. I was blessed to grow up in a, a school that was very diverse. You know, it had like equal amounts of white kids, black kids, Asian kids, Hispanic kids, you know, um, all kinds of races and backgrounds. And we came up, you know, uh, listening to hip hop music. And yep. I didn't even listen to any rock music until I was in ninth grade. And in fact, I was scared of that stuff, man. I was like, what the, what the heck is this long hair music? You know, <laughs> even into a microphone. I want to hear some rap and some beats. Yeah. Um, 
But, uh, you know, and my parents didn't understand it. And from their perspective, right, they wanted me to go back to this world that they were living in in the 70s or whatever, country music. And I like, yep. I, I wasn't about that, you know. And so, like, we all, but we all come up with these different, you know, ways of falling into our world with our own perspectives. And we as parents want our kids to, like, follow our likes and dislikes. And we're going to approve or disapprove. So it's a whole different concept to get past that, right? How do we get past that? Yep, absolutely. And I think, you know, exactly. And, and Laura hit it right. Embrace them for who they are uh, and not who they're not. And for who yeah. they're not. Yep, absolutely. No, we appreciate it. Yep. Mm -hmm. yeah, and that's the thing, too, is, is you know, this whole thing of being a, a conscious parent is just kind of allowing that to unfold within them, you know. But while making sure we have, bound, you know, we teach them their boundaries and they do have some discipline and they do have that, you know, we're not saying just like let them run free, but we're saying, you know, we have to have the ability to kind of let them kind of mature into their own selves. And I think, honestly, man, I mean, really, I think the younger we do it, you know, and the younger we start them out on this process, you know, I think I think the easier it'll be as they get older. You know what I mean? I think it it's a lot. Our parenting will get a lot easier. And again, you're a little bit longer along the journey than I have, you know, when it comes to this. But, you know, our what, what with what's in this book, you know, let's be very transparent here. Were you using a lot of these consistently? Forrest is what I want to know with 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 your teens. You know, were, were you really making this part of like your inner household culture, I sort of say, or like kind of your design of parenting? Because I'm looking at this and after looking at this, I'm like, yo, I, I really need to start implementing implementing this stuff a little bit more where it becomes habit. Yeah, um, you know, more or less, you know, I, I, I can't really say that we we're so structured with it. Um, sure, sure. And uh, but it, it and we change day to day as people and our kids yeah. change day to day. And that's part of what she talks about in this book is yeah. getting used to that dynamic of ever changing. Right. Yep. So because we like this idea of a fixed, rigid system that we can follow. Right. If they do A, then we do B. Right. Um, martial arts reminds me of that. Like. Some people would come into martial arts and be like, what if somebody punches me like this or grabs me like this? Like, then I just do B, right? If they do sure. A, they do, then you do B, right? Um, it doesn't always work like that. Like in the real world, like, you know, your B is gonna be, you know, you're gonna be flipped on your back and you won't even know what happened. Um, so the, the kids will put us in that situation. They're gonna trigger us and so forth. So I would say to, the answer to your question, Bo, is, you know, just to bring as much consciousness into myself as I can, yep. um, you know, and my, our kids, like we always talk about, learn more by what we do than what we say. Absolutely. So, no. you know, she sees me practicing mindset, meditation. She also sees me, you know, getting triggered and, you know, yeah. going through my own past and mm -hmm. all of that is okay. And, you know, and, and we forget and we remember, right? There's a yep. cycle of forgetting and a cycle of remembering as well. And so I'm in a state right now just discussing this with you, and I, I'm sure the listener is right now listening along with us, is that you're remembering, right? You're remembering that this present moment is so precious. Our kids are amazing, and we could be in the moment working out this dynamic without having this feeling of needing to dominate and control from the top down. Uh, we want to say hi to Amy. Sue, yep. what's up, Amy? Uh, she said, that has been a journey for myself and my girls for sure, yes. So here's another good one, too, as part of one of the things here that I really like. Uh, and this is a good one for, like, all of us to have, like, younger children. <laughs> like, you don't need to fix your child's pain or boredom. This need to fix comes from your anxiety, not theirs. 
teach them to feel through these instead. Mm. Yo, that's pretty good, right? Teach them to feel through pain and boredom. You know, so if we could give some tips real quick on how to feel through pain and boredom, what would you say would be some good tips for that? To um, to understand their pain and boredom. Yeah. So basically what it's saying is instead of trying to fix it, right, yeah. you know, teach them to feel through their pain, you know, instead of fixing pain, like, you know, if a child, you know, for instance, for me all the time is him running around and always wanting me all the time when I'm working from home. Right. And then throwing a tantrum and getting upset about it. Right. Sitting down with him lately and explaining to him. Right. And helping him. That's actually helped. In other words, bringing more consciousness to it. Right. Instead of trying to like fix it, help them feel through what they're actually going through. Just, I know it's time, a lot of times, especially with the younger child, I'm always trying to fix things for them. Oh, I got you, buddy, here. I got you here. So it's like this instant gratification for him. Instead of explaining to him and sitting down, because he's smart enough to understand, hey, this can't happen right now. So, and then giving options and helping him go through it. So I thought that was a really good lesson in the book, right? So stop trying to fix it. Allow them, stop trying to fix the pain. Allow them to feel through it. Because if we yeah. try to fix it, they never really mature through it. I went through that today, actually. Um, was it today or yesterday? Sometimes the days are a blur. But uh, my six-year-old, right? He's doing Zoom school, and uh, he had the answer, right? The teacher had a question. He had the answer. And he's, like, on the edge of his seat wanting to give the answer. And all the other kids are saying the answers, right? And he's getting frustrated. I can hear him from the other room. He's going, oh, God. Oh, you know, this is stupid. I'm stupid. The teacher thinks I'm stupid. And he started getting so frustrated. My wife, she's working in the next room. She comes in. I come in and we're, we're coaching my son through this moment. And uh, he, um, you know, he didn't have the tool set to, to think and feel and say, oh, it's okay that they have the answer and I'll just pass right now. Because if, if the teacher called on him, they already stole his answer. So he didn't know what to say. So I said, it's okay to say, I don't know, or I pass, or, um, you know, they took my answer. I just don't have an answer for you right now. So I had to give him that as an option and let him breathe through it and also not try to over control the situation because with my wife and i right there we can we can really wrap him up in a burrito and try to over control the situation and drown out his ability to react and respond so i had to take a step back too and then my wife has a different approach instead of saying you know hey here's the here's here's an option just pass she goes oh well look at the math problem differently there is an answer just keep looking there's a solution there's a solution and I was telling her at some point, there's not going to be a solution. At some point, right. be okay with, I don't know. That's okay too, right? Um, so we're both, you know, co-parenting, right? And, and I have to give it up to my wife and I because we didn't like struggle through that. We, we worked with each other on it, um, which isn't always the case, right? Sometimes we're in full-on disagreement for how we should raise our kids. And so... Um, I think know, that's important too. I think yeah. that's an important lesson for a lot of the a lot of the parents is like you don't have to necessarily agree on all that either. You know what I mean? You really don't have to agree on it. I think as long as it's healthy, right? And the thing is as long as it's it's still healthy in the process, you know, I think I think that's I think that's perfectly normal. And I think that's I think that's healthy for, for kids to see as well, for teens to see as well. Very good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for teens, uh, especially, yeah, I give them space. You know, I give my daughter space to go through her own thing. I give my son space to go through his own thing. At times I'll come in and I say, hey, you know, I noticed you're kind of dealing with this. This is something that's worked for me. I try not to come, you know, at, at, at a point of like saying, you know, you need to do this. Like as soon as you say you need to do, or you, you know, you should, check yourself as a parent. Because, you know, 
I like the word, or it, it, it may help using the word like I invite, right, with your team. I invite you to, you know, take a look at it this way. This might help, it might not, right? Instead of saying like you must or you have to or you should. And uh, it's just a different energy. It holds a different space, right? So, hey, I invite you to, to look at it this way. Or, you know, I've dealt with that in the past myself, right? Here's the empathy part. Yeah. Um, you know, I definitely understand how much that can hurt. You know, I've been through that myself or a friend has been through that and I know about it. Um, you know, here's, here's what I did that worked for me. Yeah, no, that's good. Uh, hey, uh, shout out to uh, Mama Fallen here because she said you have to give it up to your wife because she's now watching. <laughs> she said that was this morning. <laughs> uh, that was great. What's up, wifey poo? Yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. So I learned a lot from my wife, um, you know, uh, especially about being triggered. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep, we got I'm gonna get beat up now. Uh, <laughs> she was coming through the coming through the door. Uh, <laughs> no, my my wife is amazing. I couldn't I couldn't have a better person to co-parent with because we learn a lot from each other and we both have different ways of looking at the world. So it's really great. Um, <laughs> yeah, and I got to give a shout out to Marcel too. She, uh, my girlfriend, she's she's amazing. She said, let them embody it and heal and you know allowing them to embody it and let them get that out and get it out and get those emotions out in a safe space you know i think that's so important and that's one of the major lessons that she's been teaching me really is like hey we have to give them a space to where they can let this out you know let them allow them to feel through the emotion i think that's what we were talking about earlier you know instead of trying to fix the pain let them let them feel through it let them get it out of their system you know because we've talked about this a lot that you know the emotional centers that we have in our body you know they remember they remember this stuff so yeah, thank you Maciel. we appreciate thank you, it is awesome i reached out to her on facebook today and she was kind and got back to me as well thank you Maciel. um here's something from the book they are moved our, our children are moved by how we praise their success but wounded when we put them down for their failures they are aware of how it feels to be in our presence when we sit in silence with them and of the energy field of acceptance or rejection they experience around us. Each of these moment by moment exchanges transmits either consciousness or unconsciousness. Now check this out. How can you give to your children unless you first allow yourself to be filled from your own well? Unless you are fulfilled, you will use your children to complete you. You will teach them how to live with your unacknowledged fears, your rejected emptiness, your forgotten lies, all the while unaware you are doing, doing so. Such is the power of unacknowledged lostness, right? That's like parenting from that lack, right? Parenting from that lack, inability to connect with the present moment. What do you think about that, Bo? No, I think that's amazing. I think, you know, Connecting with the present moment is so huge and that's where that comes from, you know, but in order to understand though, we have to go upstream, you know, when we hear this, in other words, we have to go upstream and figure out where these subconscious narratives come from that cause us not to be in the moment. You know what I mean? We have to understand what these attachments or what these things that we think that we're lacking, we have to have the ability to go recognize those and understand those and then have a process to work through it on our own. 
you know, so we can do exactly what it just said is to, is to operate from a level of abundance, to operate from a level of balance so we can have harmony with our child. You know, unless we go upstream, you know, and this comes straight from our mentors, you know, unless we go up there and understand what's causing us to behave this way, what's causing us to project that on our children as parents, we'll never really truly be able to really come from that perspective that you just mentioned. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So we got to dig yeah. a little deeper. We got to journal, right? We got to go inside ourselves and start to place the mirror back on us. And maybe we got to go to therapy, and 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 that could be like a, you know, it's one of those things that I always resisted therapy for myself. That's why I used a mindset training, meditation training, and these other methods of self growth that seem to work for me. So whatever you do, that's going to work for you. Find it, but you got to go deeper than what right. Right. And, when, you know, you hit a big one when it says a lack of abundance, you know, when it when it hit on that, like there's there are ways to start creating a more abundant type mindset, you know, and this is something this is something I truly struggle with and have for years. You know what I mean? Until we started understanding why I struggled with abundance and where that came from, just from how I grew up and understanding in those moments where it happened. And guys, there are practitioners out there. There are teachers out there that can show you how to tap into these moments when you first experienced and when you were first told that one, uh, you weren't good enough or two, what you have inside of you, this very special ability to be here as a human being. That alone is abundance. And we learn from a young age from certain, you know, whether who, whatever it is, whatever influence that we occurred, we learn somehow that we don't have abundance within us. And there are ways to go tap into that and for you to understand that you do have abundance. And if you're listening right now, you know, and if you've gone through that, you know, just take a look at your child and take a look at their smiling face. You know, that's abundance right there. Yeah. You know, take a look at, at the things that you have in your life and write out a gratitude list are breathing abundance back into yourself because I promise you there's a whole lot more abundance than you know we even recognize a lot even in our own selves and you know going back through and, and learning how to tap into that for us was probably one of the most uh, empowering and special things that I've ever done for myself you know to ensure that I don't you know you know put that and reflect that on my own child yeah, you know, uh, that's great. I'm glad, you know, you're, you got a four-year-old Bo and you're doing a great job, you know, as a dad, um, really stepping into this, man, really stepping in, you know, I'm, I, I'm uh, amazed by what you're doing and how you're approaching fatherhood, man, uh, it really yeah. is commendable, you know, and uh, just know that from somebody that, you know, I have a 21-year-old, a 17-year-old and a six-year-old, you're, you're going to traumatize him and screw him up. Oh, I already know. <laughs> <laughs> we can't help it. <laughs> no matter how well you uh, <laughs> are prepared, right? Um, right. No, no, you seriously though, you can definitely minimize a lot of the damage and make it such a, a great partnership between the two of you. You guys can grow together and just yep. be, you know, father and son, and be be great friends at the same time, and just continue to grow and learn and make it a process. And th there could be a lot of damage, and a lot of that reactivity is passed down generation to generation. A little word about this from the book says because we weren't taught by either our, our parents or society to access our inner stillness and find the roots of our pain and pleasure within ourselves, we are reactive to external circumstances. Since we didn't learn to observe our emotions, honor them, sit with them, and grow from them, our response to external stimuli became increasingly emotionally toxic, which is the root of our cyclones of drama. Oh man, emotional intelligence 101. Emotional intelligence 101. So how do we as parents 
have a way to understand where our emotions sit, right? How do we do, a question for all the parents out there. How often do you check your emotional temperature, so to speak? Because what follows emotions follows a physiological response, okay? So whatever powerful emotion that you're feeling, you are going to have a physiological response to that. So how do we as parents have a system to check in with ourselves to be emotionally balanced, you know? So there are a bunch of ways to do it and there are a bunch of different lessons to do it. But, you know, one way is to basically break out each morning and write out, you know, um, where your emotional balance sit. And I don't know if, if you've gone through this exercise before for us, but it's taught in the mindset program is you basically, you just break it out into eight different uh, components. You have four on one side, four on the other, and you have compassion, creativity, wisdom, and patience on one side, and you have action, direction, assertiveness on the other and you figure out where are you using that on the spectrum are you being too action and direction oriented with your child because if you are continuously that's going to cause us to be anxious fearful and then it's going to cause us to get triggered do we need to be a little bit more patient and creative and use some more wisdom with our child right so there's there's a whole system in place to allow you to do that uh, to be able to check in on your emotional balance so you can have exactly what the book said, understand where your emotional intelligence lies, you know, to be a little bit more balanced. Yeah, that that's perfect because, um, you know, we there is a method to, to, the, to this. You know, there is a way, like Bo said, there are strategies that you can employ. Um, Arlene, yep. Arlene says, only after I break down, right? And then it's way too <laughs> late, right? So that, how many people can relate to that, though? I mean, that kind of rings true. Um, yeah. Thanks to my wife for saying that, but you know, here's the thing, and we teach this to the kids in the mindset curriculum is, you know, we don't go from a car doesn't go from zero to 100 mile an hour in just a split second, right? It needs time to get to five miles an hour, 10 miles an hour, 15, 20, 30, 50, 75, then 100. But if you're at 100 miles an hour and you're trying to stop five feet from a brick wall, too late. How, how, how easy is it going to be to stop, right? You're going to hit that brick wall. And whatever that looks like to you on your emotional spectrum, either you're going to get out in anger, full-on anxiety, worry, depression. That's what the brick wall looks like to you, hiding away in your bed and just don't want to get up. Like, what is that brick wall for you? That's the full manifestation of your bound nature state. So right. now what we teach the kids, and I want you to take this on as a parent too, is the five to 15 mile an hour zone. This is where you can take the control back. This is where you can take the power back. So if you start journaling about, okay, this is what it feels like when I'm in an anxious state. I feel my breathing start to get short and choppy and shallow high in my chest. I feel some tension in my neck and my muscles here. My palms start to sweat. I start to <sighs> sigh a little bit or huff and puff. And I just really get in tune with what my body's doing on a physiological level. Now I can see there's a five to 15 mile an hour zone. And then we teach tools called the flow switch with, for the teens to, to switch out of it, right? And then we can switch out of it from an early stage because it's easy for a car to stop at five or 10 miles an hour and the brick wall will never be hit, right? But we gotta be in the five to 15 mile an hour zone if we're waiting for the 95 or 100 mile an hour uh, speed zone, we're going to hit that brick wall. It's going to happen. It's already too late, but that's okay. Let's start to write down. How do we feel? Let's start to go into our bodies. How are we breathing? How does bound nature, the negative states of our emotions, how does it work itself up in me? Is it insecurity? Is it self-doubt? 
Is it um, uh, fear of the future? Is it guilt, resentment, or shame? So there's all these ways that it manifests, anger, whatever it is, start to write it down, and that becomes uh, like a character. Like a, we call it a usual suspect. And that's something that you can then get really clear about. And then when you see it rise up in you, you can then divert into a state of gratitude or a state of observation. Yeah, and, and what you're talking about is really, it's just different ways to become aware, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's part of it, you know, is is having a process to become aware when we're when we're acting out these ego roles and these bound nature roles, you know? And, and that's the thing is a lot of the times we don't even know it until we break it out like you just said. So thank you for that, man. That was, that's good. I mean, that's that's a huge part of it. And that's really the, that's really one of the, the centers of gravity of what you teach and what we teach is is the awareness process of that. So I think I think that's really good. And then, hey, here's another lesson too that I wanted to talk about. Um, and this is one thing I think that, you know, I noticed a lot and it's probably still true with a lot of kids that you work with is um, rejection from the outer world is natural, right? And um, parental rejection, right? It says is toxic and self-rejection can be lethal. So, and think about that, you know what I mean? If, if we're rejecting not only ourselves, if we're thinking poorly about ourselves, if we're extremely unhappy with ourselves, you know what I mean? That just carries over. And I think that's such a huge thing uh, is to teach our children that, you know, rejection from the outer world is going to happen. Not everybody's going to like us. And at the end of the day, as cool as this sound, it doesn't really matter to me personally, as long as you're treating people the way that you would like to be treated. I know that sounds super basic, but the rest just kind of flows away from you. Honestly, if you if you stick there, it just flows away from you. So it does not matter how many times that we're rejected. You know, it doesn't really matter. You know, we need to teach our children that, you know, but when we start rejecting ourselves by not being aware, that's when we start seeing some of these problems and generational problems that we're trying to combat with this mindset system that you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I want to grab something out of the book that kind of correlates with that is it says when a parent tells me they are upset that they lost control of their emotions in front of their child they expect me to judge or guilt trip them <clears throat> instead i congratulate them i say now we know how your unconscious looks which is an important step forward it is indeed an important step forward because most people in the world have no clue that their reactivity is a manifestation of unconsciousness to realize this about ourselves is a huge breakthrough so if you're seeing through this discussion that you have moments where you're embarrassed or ashamed of how you react or get triggered in front of your child, and then you have shame, blame, or guilt wrapped around that, this is progress because you're able to see it now. Now you can actually be like, you know, in the 5% of people that are actually becoming conscious that there is an issue that you can look deeper into. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, you know, I think what's important about that too is, um, we're really like hard on ourselves as parents. You know what I mean? Like our self-talk probably, like our self-talk when it comes to, when we do do something that doesn't seem right to us, like we can be a lot harder on ourselves than really we probably should be. So I wanna let all the parents know out there, all the single parents, single moms, single dads, and even, you know, parents that are, that are still together. I just wanna let you guys, don't beat yourself up so much about, you know, if you're there and you're loving your child every day and you're doing your best, we wanna commend you. We wanna send you love. We want to send you light and tell you thank you for that. Thank you for staying in their lives. Thank you for waking up every day and doing the very best that you can. You know, yeah. I know sometimes our negative self-talk can put us in a 
it can put us in a zone where we're thinking about it all day and we're yep. stressing ourselves out. And we're like, man, I really wish I should have done something different. I really wish I would have behaved differently. I just want to let you know that that, you know, that language pattern inside of your head sometimes is a lot worse than what it really is. And we want to tell you, thank you so much for being there for your children, because somebody, you know, that, that didn't have, you know, one of their parents growing up, you know, my father, I just, you know, I always wished he was there when I was growing up. I want to tell you guys, thank you. You're doing a great job. Just keep at it. I wanted to send some, I, I wanted to send some gratitude there to our listeners and all the parents out there had to do yeah, it. I, I, I'm uh, putting a little comment in there, quote, giving you a quotable right there, uh, showing it up on the screen because that was good. Nope. You know, Thank you so much for being there for your children. Um, Bo, let's say somebody's going through some major anxiety around some stuff. There's issues at work. There's financial issues. There is worried about COVID. Uh, people worried about their parents, worried about their kids. I mean, hearing, story, hearing about like other people's misfortune, getting wrapped up in that. And now the world seems like it's just falling, right? Um, is that a story? Is that reality? Is it somewhere in between? Help, help us navigate through that, Bo. What is, what is your take on that? Yeah, I think, I think it's always somewhere in between. I think it's about, I think there needs to be a balance. I think there needs to be a healthy balance of yes, these things are going on, right? Yes, there, there, there are, there is a, you know, there, we're on a back end or however you want to look at it from the pandemic, right? A lot of places are opening up. Some places are shut down. Um, a lot of people has had their careers flipped upside down. Those things have happened. Like we can't, we can't just sugarcoat everything. You know, there are things going on that have affected millions of people in this world, especially over the last year. So I think that once we accept that, then we can take accountability for how we're how we're behaving and how we're allowing that to, um, you know, influence our behavior. So I think we accept it, and then we take full accountability and we start becoming aware of, okay, is this how is this really affecting me? How is this affecting my parenting and how is this affecting how I view the world? Once we do that and take accountability, in other words, we accept it's all going on. And a lot of this is like stoic philosophy, like, hey, this stuff is happening. We're not denying it, but we are choosing to rise above this through creating a more healthy and dynamic mindset and a more and having a process to be aware, you know, for whenever we become too depressed, too down on ourselves. You know, when we when we get into a mode where we feel hopeless and lost. Really, that per, that's really just a perception, to be completely honest with you, a lot of the times. Now, there are very extreme circumstances for us that we can't get away from, people that become homeless during this. I mean, there are very extreme circumstances. But for the most people in our audience right now that are watching us, that are listening to us, you have a lot more control over your mindset and your emotions than you think. So it's a very healthy balance. And I think accepting yeah. it and then having a system to move through it is very important. Well said, Bo. Well said. I mean, uh, have you ever heard, uh, you know, life is 10% what happens to us and 90% how we react to it. And so, you know, the choice lies in our reaction. In other words, things are going to happen to us in life. We can look at it as a, an obstacle. We can lo look at it as a problem that's going to destroy us. We can look at it as an opportunity for growth. We can look at it as a way to evolve spiritually. Like, how do we want to look at this problem right in front of us? Really, that's where our power lies. And so, um, you know, just just know whatever you're going through, a lot of other people are right there with you, um, feeling, you know, what you're feeling as well. 
And you have the power to, to change the script and to look at it in a different way. And when you're in a bound nature state, which is what Bo was talking about earlier, it becomes hard. It's hard to see the possibilities when you're in a state of darkness, right? Yeah. And, you know, one thing, too, that I that I read the other day, uh, which is really cool, is like we're constantly in a cycle of like meeting ourselves, like we're meeting ourselves over and over again, whether it's in hardship, we're meeting ourselves, whether it's in joy, we're meeting ourselves. In other words, we're coming more aware of ourselves and the unfolding of who we are throughout this process on Earth. And that unfolding process sometimes is not meant to be comfortable. It's really showing us where exactly where we need to be, you know, and it's showing us that we can take accountability for it. But it's it's perfectly fine for what's going on right now, what's going on in front of you. It's 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 there to show us the path that we need to be on, you know, and the more I push away things that are uncomfortable and the more I pushed away things that don't seem right to me, the more they end up creeping up and, uh, and biting me in the future. So, um, and especially, I mean, that's really, we're constantly meeting ourselves and we're learning about ourselves and the unfolding process. I believe, man, that's why we're here on this earth is to continue to grow and unfold and learn about ourselves and get uncomfortable and get, you know, be in messy situations because the more messy we get kind of with ourselves and understand really happiness, I believe that we can create within ourselves. And also have breakthroughs and have celebratory events. And, you know, life can be in celebration. doesn't have to be always happy, but, you know, it's going to, we're going to have all this richness in our life. And to be able to kind of accept it all is a great thing. Uh, but when you're feeling a lot of pressure and a lot of things are happening in your life, that might be, you know, the universe's way of saying change is about to occur. Change is, a, is the fundamental nature of the universe. You can't um, stop that from happening. What you can do is you know flow with that energy and and use that energy for example you know when i found out you know or when, when it really started to hit me in a heavier way that my kids really needed help my teen and my young adult i started this whole teen mindset um transformation program and i started reaching out and helping other teens and we started this podcast and we connected with both yep. you know all these great things happened because i i looked at it a certain way right um, and I got things in my life that I've been dealing with for years that have reoccurred and rehashed in different ways that come stem from my childhood and different traumas and things like that. But that's okay. I'm continually open-minded, able to work through things, and, and I'm optimistic about the future. To be happy, though, is really about seeing some type of progress. And if you haven't seen any progress, if your teen hasn't seen any progress, your young adult at home is feeling stuck, that's when a lot of the energy gets really stuck. So sometimes that has to be shaken up and moved somehow um, through art or like, you know, Bo talks about these connection ports. Uh, those help bring more consciousness into a situation. What are some of the connection ports, Bo, that you think that a parent and teen can work on together? Oh man, there's so many. Um, there's so many. I'm I'm just such a big fan of like getting out in the nature, to yeah. be honest with you. I'm just such a big fan of just going outside and doing something physical, regardless of what it is. There's yeah. just something about going to like some of your favorite spots or parks around. Like one thing that I do is we I go on Google Maps. You know, again, my, my kid's four, so I go on, he loves playgrounds. But one thing for us is I go on Google Maps and I map out all the playgrounds and we hit them. Like you, we, we hit every single one of them and we go and we explore, you know, we go, we just do mo the most random stuff where we just go have fun. We lose time, you know, and uh, it's, it's helped me a lot through the pandemic 
you know, last year. It helped me a whole lot when it first went down and everything was so restricted. So I'm just a big fan of getting into nature, uh, getting into water, being out here in Florida. I mean, there's aligning ourselves with what's already here, aligning ourselves with Mother Nature and allowing ourselves just to be. That's where we're supposed to be anyways. So I believe when we get away from the technology and we get away from all the, you know, online stimulation that we get from our phones and all the emails and all, you know, for everybody that that works a lot. When we get away and we align ourselves with just Mother Nature and, and sit back and enjoy that. It sounds so simple, but just do it consistently and you might not feel anything at first. But I promise you, you do that for like you go outside once a day with your child for literally five days a week during the work week. Now, not, no, don't do it just when it. When it's, uh, you know, when it's the weekend, that's too right. late. Do it, right. do it during the week when you're feeling the stress. Take that's some time. Right. Yeah, I'm telling you because if because we always get conditioned to do it on the weekends, man. Yo, I do that at like two o'clock or three o'clock on a Tuesday. You know what I mean? Like on a Wednesday, right that's, in the middle of the work week. You know why? Because we feel guilty because we're like in this society where like we get. I mean, there's some type of badge where we have to wear. Right. Like, we have to work. We have to work until we're just beat up, man, or else we don't deserve the badge, right? We don't deserve it. And, um, you know, where does that come from? What kind of, you know, what are we teaching our kids when we're doing this? Western culture, you know, American culture, like just work, yeah. work, 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 you know? Um, yeah. We're always working hard. We were going to take, I was going to take my son, you know, you, you basically called me out. I was going to take my son <laughs> today and I ended up working through, uh, you know, what could have been golfing and he played video games the whole time. So, like, see, yeah. yeah, you know, and, and, I, and I know that whenever my son starts sticking his head in the phone too much, or if he's like watching like YouTube something, and I'm like, wait a minute, you know, this isn't good. He's too quiet on the phone. Let's get outside and go. But again, parents, do it during the work week. Get, get, it's called a it's called a, a forced or a hard stop. Create a hard stop and get mm -hmm. used to it. And then, but set your alarm though. If you if you're really that busy, I don't think anything is really that after deploying and being overseas. I'm just going to be honest with you. Not many things are that serious. So. <laughs> So there's there, you can that email can wait, you know what I mean? So, yeah. Or that whatever you got to do can wait. It ain't that serious. Just let the parents know. Like take 45 minutes, do it consistently, do it five days a week, do it for like 60 days and see how you feel. Then you're going to look forward to it. Then your body actually craves it, man. Just like meditation. Dude, it's literally like going into a meditative state. When you don't, when you get used to it and you don't, your body like craves it yeah. like straight up. So yeah, that's, that's my, uh, my advice there. That's brilliant, man. That's brilliant. I love that you said that. Um, this says in the book, your unconsciousness isn't your children's to inherit. It is yours to excavate. Being a conscious parent means you are increasingly aware of the force and prevalence of your unconsciousness as it arises in everyday situations. And I think this is a good paragraph to end with. Children who are raised by parents who are conscious and therefore both at peace with themselves and connected to their inner joy Discover the abundance of the universe and learn how to tap into this ever-flowing source. Viewing life as their partner, such children respond to life challenges with curiosity, excitement, and a sense of reverent engagement. Brought up to be inwardly peaceful and to know their inherent joy, they in turn teach their children to live in a state of joyful abundance. Oh, joyful, joyful abundance. Conscious parent, thank you guys for for joining us in the podcast today. Check out our new website, www.parentteenmindsetshow.com. Um, you know, we have different ways to get involved. Uh, we're gonna have a, a Patreon or some type of patron thing where you can um, help us fund the podcast because we need your support. Uh, also, we have um, right now a GoFundMe going on for the Parent Teen 
uh, or I mean for the uh, teen mindset transformation program that we're doing right now with teens. We're in beta phase now. We're going to do another beta phase uh, March 15th, 2021. And then the official one will launch in June of 2021. So uh, we're taking on teens and young adults right now. Just reach out to me, private message me on Facebook, and uh, we will help whatever whoever we can, right? Have uh, Bo, you want to connect with Bo, go to connectivehuman.com. And yeah. uh, if you are involved with any kind of um, a company, corporation, um, and if you know of a nonprofit, and we can combine those, and we can go out and make impact with the community. That's what Bo can help do. And also, you know, the company that you work for, they have their own culture, right? And it's so important to keep that culture um, tight and communicative and conscious, just like this book that we talked about. We got to keep our culture conscious in our work life, or else things get dead, uh, become dead, and become stifled and become stagnant, and the creativity just goes. And, and, and you feel it from top to bottom in the in the company. So what Bo does is he reverses that. He gets people, you know, uh, alive again and working with each other and excited to show up to work. And, and it gives them a whole new depth of what they're doing and their meaning inside of their work. So reach out to Bo, connectivehuman.com. No, thank you for that. Yeah. And I mean, you know, we don't talk about it enough, but yeah, like, you know, we pair corporations with nonprofits to create events that give back and they're a lot of fun. But not only that, inside of the organizations, we, we create humans, healthy humans, healthy communities, right? The growth mindset, just like you talked about. And we're very excited, man. We're going to have a very special nonprofit that we are going to be talking about next month and we're going to wait to announce it, but they are doing something that no one in the United States has done before. And I want to let you guys know this. We are going to put one of our nonprofit partners on here next month. They're doing something that no one in the United States has ever done for children. And I cannot wait to announce it. I'm so excited for next week. Dude, I'm like, I'm, you know me when it comes to like collaborating and, and taking corporations with nonprofits. I cannot wait for everybody to hear this, guys. I'm telling you, when you hear what's going on right here in Tampa Bay, you're going to be like, yo, how do I get involved? And you know what? We're going to show you how to do it. And I'm stoked. Let's go. Yeah, we got some great things coming. All right. Let's go. Let's go. Right now, remember, you know, Bo's reach is from Florida out to California and beyond. So, I mean, he's he's working with companies all over the nation. So go ahead and reach out, you know, um, bring people up, man. Make the connection. So Make the connection. All right, guys. We want to thank all of our listeners out there and all the parents that are doing their thing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you to my wife. She had some really great input tonight. Thank yep. you. Um, thank you, Marcia. Thank you, Laura. Thank you, Eric and Christina. Everybody. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you, Amy. You know, so many people. Amy. Uh, you know, we appreciate you guys. We see you. And we'll see you on the next one. Have a great one, everybody. Good night. Good night. <laughs>